We've had some powerful messages the, the last couple Sundays. A couple Sundays ago, uh, Rod was sharing about back to the basics, talking about coming back to the word of God, coming back to prayer, and the basics of us as Christians and our spiritual walk. Um, and then we went to uh, last Sunday talking about going back to the cross. Anybody remember that message? Yeah, come, please shout to me, back, please. <laughs> There were, were two or three gathered. I just need to hear two or three people that agree with me, and I know that he is here. Um, back to the cross and um, the place of our victory and the place where uh, we really allow God to change the way that we think and the way that we live. He changes us. If God changes you, he changes the way that you, who you are. He cha- changes the way that you think and the way that you live. And I think, I love, I love that we went from back to the basics to back to the cross because I think the basics take us back to the cross. Anybody here? The basics will take us back to the cross. Uh, the more that we grow in God, the more that we grow in the revelation of the cross. One of, one of the great examples for me is Reinhard Bonnke. From the moment he was young when he started preaching about the cross till the moment he was in his 70s and preaching about the cross, the message of the cross continued to grow in his life because when we grow in God, that message is going to grow in us. We, we begin to, you know, like, you know, when we, I don't know if you were ever there, but in the first few years of when you were saved or you came to know God, you, you debate and battle about things that just don't matter. Uh, you talk about, you know, what Jezebel's gonna look like. Uh, you talk about, the angels, you, angels are important, of course, but we focus, we focus on things that are not as of, as of great importance to our faith. Jesus gave this warning to Pharisees. He said, you, uh, you, care, you care about every tithe of every men and offering, but you have, you have uh, neglected the weightier things. And I think I, I saw myself in my, in my early walk care more about maybe things that didn't matter, but as you continue to mature and grow, there are things that actually matter to our faith. There are things that actually matter for our growth, for our salvation. And so I think as we continue to grow, the things that actually matter, we grow in them. We grow in the message of the cross. We grow in the power of Jesus' blood. We grow in the message of faith and grace and mercy, God's love for us. We grow in these things that actually matter. So we came back to the cross and what I wanna talk about this morning is coming back to our neighbor. Back to my neighbor. And I'm gonna read this first story in Luke 10, if you wanna open there with me. Luke 10. Starting from verse 25. Back to my neighbor. And this is a conversation Jesus is having with an expert in religious law. And they're about to have a conversation about who who your neighbor is. Because this guy was so smart, uh, he didn't know who his neighbor was. Uh, And Jesus had to explain to him who his neighbor was. And this is, this, this, is this, this, this is the conversation we're gonna get a sneak peek on. One day an expert in religious law 
stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, as he often did with the story. A Jewish man was, a, was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, or a Levite, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn, where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If this if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. God, I just thank you so much for your word that we are reading this morning and what you have for us this morning, and we just open our heart to you, God. We open our heart to your word, not just a sermon or a message, we open our heart to your word. We want your word to speak to us this morning, and I thank you so much for the, the power of your word in our life and how it can come to life in us and begin to do what we can't do. I thank you that your word is like a seed within us, God, that is supposed to bring fruit, and we open your heart, we open our hearts to your word, and we desire that your word would speak to us and come to life within us. Give us revelation today of your word. Not just something I say or a point I make, but I pray for all of us, for myself included, give us revelation from your word. Show us something that we need to see. Something, it's already there, but just show us what we are missing. Show us what we need to see and that we can begin to apply in our life. We want to apply your word, God, and we thank you so much. We thank you so much for the neighbors in our life and what what you have called us to do, God, for them. And we, we bless one another in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This conversation begins by what the most important commandment is. And here he actually asks, teacher, what should I do to inherit, to inherit eternal life? So eternal life here is weighing on the scales and they're trying to figure out what is the most important thing in regards to attaining eternal life. So this is, not this is not just your favorite scripture, your favorite commandment. Jesus is about to answer a really serious question. But he doesn't, give him the, he, give, he doesn't give him the answer he asks him. He asks him, what do you read in the law of Moses? Now it's interesting 
Because sometimes we can take the law and we can't take the New Testament and we say, we don't need the, the, the old anymore, now we have the new. The new is what Jesus taught and that's all I need to listen to. But it's interesting that Jesus re refers to the old law and he says, what was there actually will give you answers to what we always wanted you to know. Are you here? So even reading the old, even reading the old, you can, the message was the same because it's the same God. The message was the same because it's the same spirit. Are you here? And so reading the old, he says, what do you read in the old? Because the message didn't change. What was being said there was, was the, what, the heart of what was being said there was the same thing. It was pointing to me. It was pointing to, the, to this. And Jesus, he says, what do you read? And the man answered the right way. So this expert, he wasn't just an, a book expert. He understood that the, that the Old Testament, the law, was, was saying, if you could sum up the whole law, it was saying you gotta love God with all of your heart, all of your strength, and all of your mind. The expert of the law summed up the law by saying, this is what it says. To love your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength. And then to also love your neighbor as yourself. Imagine over 600 commandments, and if you were to sum up the meaning of these commandments, this man understood that it is to love God with everything that we have. And it is to also love our neighbor. When we talked about coming back to the cross last week, the cross does an interesting thing. The cross does not only reflect God's love for me, and this is the place in which I encounter it. How much God loved me was expressed on the cross. And so I encounter, I don't just see Jesus hanging, I don't just see all his wounds. It was what Jesus, what, what God was expressing to us on the cross was how much he loved this world. This is what we see on the cross, is God's love for every single person. And when I encounter this love, what this love does to me, is it obviously, it, 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 it lights up my heart, it, it sets me on fire to, to see the love of God for me. Hell, guys, not my love for him, it shows me his love for me. This is what the cross shows. The son of God became the son of man. And he ended up being on a cross and I, am, I begin to witness on the cross when I, and I, I'm not t talking about us going to our room and imagining Jesus hanging on a cross and 39 lashes and how body, his body was broken. I'm talking about when we, when we read the word, when we, when, we have, when we begin to fellowship with God, when we're seeking him, we, we will come to know in a greater manner what it was that he did on the cross, what it was that he paid for. Because listen, when, when I'm in my prayer room often and I, ha I don't have boldness to pray or I don't feel like praying, but I begin, I, be, I just begin to pray, you know, and I, I'm encouraged. I want to maybe even just give a little secret to prayer regarding the cross. You know, I, I like to listen to when people pray, specifically like when we do our 40-hour prayer, which is coming up. Who signed up for the 40-hour prayer, by the way? I'm, I'm about to go outside to the gravel, and I, and I, I might get a better result, Okay. 
<laughs> um, we're, we have the 40-hour prayer coming up at the end of the month, and I, it's one thing, you know, when we pray in the mic, we pray, we like, some of us, we, we know how to pray, and so we pray in the mic, we pray for needs, we pray for things, we pray for different topics, and you kind of already have a systematic way of praying. But I really like when we, we, when we pray in groups, we pray in a, in a home, or we pray in a small circle, and there's no mic, and you can just listen to people praying. And anybody, you follow me? And so, I, and I just listen to how people pray. And you know, someone's like, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna be praying, praying next to George again. Um, yeah, I, I listen to everything you pray and I write it down. Um, <laughs> that's so, so creepy. Okay, but I actually, um, when we would gather for prayer and I would find myself next to pastor, I would always listen to how he prays. He doesn't know this. And, I'm not on, and hopefully he doesn't understand what I'm saying in English. I'm gonna talk really fast right now. And so he's, just, you know, it's not gonna click right now. For, as you said, I'm just gonna explain this really fast. He's not gonna know what I'm talking about. So just bear with me. And so I listen to Pastor praying. When Pastor prays, I listen to what he's praying about. And what he's praying about really begins to encourage me to begin to pray. And this is what he's praying about. Are you guys ready for this? He prays and he just begins to thank God for what God did. Almost every time I listen to him pray, when prayer begins, like we gather, we gather for prayer, I happen to be standing next to him and I just listen to prayer. And he begins to spend 10 minutes, 15 minutes. God, we thank, I thank you, God, for your mercy given to us this morning. I thank you for the price that you paid on the cross. I thank you for the access that's been given to me into the presence of God. I thank you for the blood that was shed for me. I thank you for, your, for the victory on the cross. I thank you so much for your love for me. And he just begins to thank God for what he did. And by thanking God for what you did, you know what I realized? When I would practice this in my life and I begin to thank God for what he did, I don't feel like praying, I'm too busy to pray, it's, I'm, I'm tired to pray, I need to go to bed, but you begin to pray and you don't know what to pray, you begin to thank God for what he did on the cross. And as you begin to thank him for what he did on the cross, it gives you confidence to now, be, to now understand where you're standing, that you're standing in the presence of God because of, his, because of the price that he paid on the cross. And now all of a sudden prayer begins to flow. Because the cross is not just a, a means for us to come to God and now to come to know him. The cross is the place we continue to come to, to be in fellowship with him. It's because of what was done on the cross that I have fellowship with God. And when I thank him for what he did there, it gives me boldness right where I am to begin to seek him, to begin to be in his presence and to begin to pray. Are you here? The cross shows us the love of God for us. And that love that we encounter, you cannot say you love God but hate your neighbor. Do you remember this? You cannot say you love God but hate your neighbor. The love of God naturally, when, it, when, it, when we begin to encounter, when we begin to see what Jesus did for us on the cross, and we come to know the love of God, in my heart, I begin to have this love for my neighbor. I have love for my neighbor because of the love of God for me. Yes. Let the kids run, Rod. Let the kids run. Don't be a Pharisee. Let them run. Let them run. <laughs> if, that, if that was my boy, I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably do something. But <laughs> let him run. Let him run. The love of God that we encounter You know, let me just 
even, even more simple. God showed us his love by, give, by giving up his son. And then, the whole, and then it says through the Holy Spirit, it says through the Holy Spirit, we have now received that same love into our heart. If the love of God, if the love that God had, he was willing to give up his son for me, that same love is poured into my heart. And so that love is going to lead me to do the same thing. I think that's the simplest way we can understand it. The love of God, it showed us what he did for us. And that same love, it leads us to do the same thing. He gave up his son for me. And that love is in my heart. I begin to do the same thing because it's the same love that's in my heart. It's the same love that's in my heart. How are we any different if we only love those who love us? Right? How are we any different? If I only love the person that loves me, that is, it can be the love of God, but if it stops there, that isn't the complete love of God. The love of God, that, that most likely is probably just my love. I love people that love me. But the love of God that's in my heart, it doesn't just stop at the person that likes me. It goes to the person that despises me. It goes to the person that hates me. It goes to the person that opens his mouth against me. It goes to the person that curses against me. It goes, are you guys ready for this? It goes to the person that cuts me off. Someone said hallelujah. It goes to the person who doesn't know how to drive in the snow. It goes to the person, it goes to the person that I don't get along with at work. And the love of God is capable to love that person. Not my love, not the patience I have or the kindness I have or the gentleness that I lack. It's the love of God that is in me that makes me capable to love the person that I'm not capable to love on my own. Now, if we can go really quick, we're gonna keep talking about this story just a little bit, but if we can go really quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, and let's read from verse 18. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The, hand, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those 
parts that have less dignity. This makes, look at verse 25, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Verse 25, let me read verse 25 one more time, please. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. How many members care? Guys, come on, help me out. How many members care? Yes. Yes. A little longer, longer. All the members care for each other. You know, I've been challenged uh, in this season more than ever to truly care for the members that have been placed around me. Um, you know, the way God, and I, we, we, we would always hear this or say this at church, that church is not an organization. Church is not just a nonprofit. It's not just a religious gathering. What is so special about the church, unlike any other group or, or gathering, is that it's one body. And this is obviously you know, to someone that's in the world, this is foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You have to be a part of the body to understand how big of a blessing it is to be a part of the body. And being a part of the body, um, it's incredible, it's incredible that if we have an open heart to help our neighbor, that we will begin to notice need. And when we notice need, God doesn't reveal the need to us or we don't see the need just to see it. We see the need to be able to take care of it. I love that in this story when Jesus is talking about who my neighbor is, the man that helps him doesn't preach a sermon to him. Now, this is really important. The man that helps him doesn't even prophesy over him. The man that helps him doesn't minister the gift of healing on his body and say, get up and be well. Jesus actually said it's foolish if we just preach or if we just lay our hands on people to pray for them, but if we don't minister to their need, we're not helping them. 
And what I want us to just see this morning from this story and that we can begin to apply in our life is helping someone, helping someone is not just the spiritual needs that that person might have. This person was beat up by a road and this person began to bandage him and help him with his wounds. Then he helped him get on his own vehicle, this donkey, donkey S500, got him on this donkey and then he took him to an inn. And he took him to an inn and he paid for his stay there and then he's like, hey, if this is not enough money for his stay, I'm gonna come back and I'll pay the rest. But I think maybe this is the problem. I think, does, is, there, is there anybody here, and if you raise your hand, I'm gonna meet with you after the service. Is there anyone here that doesn't want to help anybody? <laughs> yeah, if somebody raised their hand, bro, this mic would go flying. This, is there anyone here does, who doesn't wanna help anyone? Anybody? Okay, is there anyone here who has no idea who to help? Really, anybody? Is there anyone here who has no idea who to help? So you do. Does everyone here know who they can help? Okay, see the hands are not matching up to what you're, does, it, does everyone here, is everyone here willing to help somebody? Can you imagine in the first church, the Bible says that there was not one among them who had any need. This is, this is when, when, when you actually know the needs of certain people and you're, you're getting into people's lives, whether you are part of a life group or you're involved somewhere and you're getting to know people more than just seeing their face here, and you begin to know the needs of different people. Someone's got a need of, they're looking for a job, someone's looking for a new place to live, someone is sick and, and we're, we're, we're continuing to pray for their healing or someone's going through something. But the, the Bible says that in the first church, there was not a single person who had a need. That in the area of physical care, that in the area of housing, in the area of finances, in the area of aid, in the area, in every area, the people, the church, the body was fulfilling the needs of one another. Our goal, our goal, I believe, one, we have many goals, but one of our goals as a church is to come to a place where every part is playing its role. We don't believe in a church that comes to watch one gift and one person who functions in it. We believe in a church that is all functioning in their gift. We believe in a church that is all functioning in the place that God prepared for that person. Now, believe this, because this is the Bible. Every single person that it becomes a part of the church has a place that's prepared for them by God. In that place, there's a gift for that person. And, and for that gift, there's a measure of grace and faith to function in that gift. We heard about this last week. There's a measure of faith and grace to function in that gift. So every single one of us has something, and this is what Paul begins to explain in Corinthians. Listen, it's good to desire gifts, and I wanna tell you there are many gifts more than I can explain, but here are what the gifts are for, that you would help one another. The gift is not for my glory. The gift is not for my name. The gift is not for people to see what I can do. The gift is to help someone. You know, for many, and sometimes I wanted, I wanted our leadership to like tell me how to preach and how not to preach. 
Sometimes I would get down from messages and I'm discouraged. I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm, if I, you know, if I'm doing it the right way, if there's something I need to do better, if I'm focusing more on jokes than the scriptures or, or focusing on scripture so much that I'm not myself. And I, and, I'm, and I would battle with these things and I wanted them to tell me how to do it. But there are things that you just need to learn on your own. As you begin to follow the Lord and as you're helping people, you begin to follow, learn these things on your own. And this is what I begin to learn in my journey of functioning in one of my gifts. Is that there were, there were seasons where I cared more about how I preached than a person that I actually helped. I cared more about how it sounded than if it actually became practical for someone to take and begin to do in their life. I still have a lot to grow and change in. But what I desire more than ever before now is not how it sounds or if it was good or not, that it helps someone. My gift is to help someone, not myself. Your gift is to help someone, not yourself. And listen, if we, if we acknowledge the gift we have and we just sincerely begin to help one another, everyone gets helped. Everyone gets helped. My gift can help someone. I don't know what my gift is. I don't know what my gift is. Does everyone here know how to give someone $5? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. This is going to be so spiritual. You're going to leave here with great revelation. Does anyone know how to give someone a t-shirt? Just, just, we're going to have classes after this to... Help you do that if you can't. Does everyone here know how to compliment somebody? Does everyone here know how to give somebody a handshake, a firm, you know, not a, not a little, so I see a little, you know, yeah, I almost said it. Little, little, you know, little cheap handshake, an actual handshake. Does everyone know how to give somebody a hug? Does someone here know how to smile? Yeah, I've seen everyone. There's some that are not smiling. I don't know why they don't like me. We have, we have funneled down the gifts of the church to someone that holds a microphone or an instrument or to someone that leads many people. Do you know the Bible actually talks about the gift of encouragement? Do you know the Bible talks about the gift of helping? There's a gift of helping. There's a gift of helping. Okay, if there's a gift of helping, there is no limit to what we can do. There's no limit to what we can do. Someone, there's, there are people here who just by, like, I have, I have a problem. Like, when I'm talking to somebody, sometimes especially at church, I have, like, a hard time paying attention to them because I'm either thinking about what I have to do next or a person that I do have to find and talk to. And so you're talking to people, and I'm just, like, I'm, like, I'm looking at their eyes, but I'm looking through their head to the people that are behind them that I need to go talk to. And so one of my, one of my, the, the gift that I don't have is the gift of attention. To actually give your undivided, complete attention to the individual that's in front of you. Someone here has the gift of attention. You talk to people and the way you fix your eyes on them and the way your body, your body mannerisms are, you give yourself completely to that person to listen to what they have to say. And did you know that that's a gift that can minister to someone and allow them to open up their heart and you can begin to speak right into their situation? 
Just by giving someone my complete attention, I can open up the heart of that individual and then begin to speak into their life. Do you know that there's a gift of wisdom? There are, this is probably, I think the gift of wisdom is for young people too, but there's still a, a, a great uh, lack of stepping into the fullness of that calling. Uh, and there are older people in our church here that are middle-aged and up who have great wisdom that us younger people have not yet tapped into. And older people, do you know, I talked about this with the, interns, with the interns, but the gift of wisdom, to give someone wise counsel. People would travel from all over the world to hear Solomon speak. But they didn't just come there to listen to how wise he was. People would travel a far distance to come to this person to, he, to, to, be, able to, be, to be able to receive wise counsel for what they needed to do or decide. Kings would come to listen to him so that he could give them wisdom on how to better build their kingdom. Imagine a person, a person that's willing to help someone taps into the gift of wisdom. You know what's gonna happen? People are gonna start traveling a far distance just to get to their house and sit and have coffee with them because they heard this person gives wise counsel. This person can speak a word and give me the, give me the key that I need for my business or the issue that I have or something that's going, with, going on within my family. I have, have you ever, I've, I've run into some people that have spoken just one sentence, but it was wisdom and that wisdom unlocks something in my life. If I don't know what that gift is exactly, when I just begin to give my aid to anyone in any way I can, I will begin to sooner or later discover what my gift is. Our gifts are connected to one another. I'm not just grabbing a mic to preach. I, I want to help someone. And in wanting to help someone, all of a sudden, a gift comes out. All of a sudden, I realize how I can help that person. And I think, I think if we are not so spiritual to just preach and encourage one another with, with good scripture, which is important to do, but if I'm willing to help a person on the level of their physical need, their financial need, something they're going through in their life, this is just as spiritual. It is just as spiritual to clothe someone than it is to preach someone. It is just as spiritual to help somebody up and, or prophesy to them. It's just as spiritual to give someone money when they're short. It's just as spiritual to help my neighbor here at, in comparison to going to the mission field overseas. It's just as spiritual. And Jesus is like, Jesus addresses a group of people. They're like, when did, we come to, when did we come to help you? Well, when you went to the prison and when you went to the house and when you went to the naked and when you went to the needy, I was there and you helped me. Amen. Jesus is there where people need help. If I could say it like this, because we talk about Jesus, you know, Jesus saved the world. Can I, can I say Jesus came to help all of us? Can I say it like that? Jesus came to help all of us, and that help was defined by saving us. Jesus helped me by saving me. Jesus helped me by redeeming me. Jesus, Jesus helped me by raising me up. Jesus helped me by pulling my feet out of the mire and setting them upon the rock. Jesus helped me by showing me what I shouldn't, shouldn't do with my finances. Jesus helped me by renewing my mind. Jesus helped me by washing me with his blood. Jesus helped me by filling me with his spirit. Jesus helped me by give me, giving me his word. All he did ever was help me. In everything we talk about, he helped me. 
Come on. He didn't just, you know, that spiritual world, you know, I got saved and we don't even know what that fully means. He helped me. He helped me. He gave me new life. He helped me. Everything that he did, it was to help me. He even gave me a helper. That's how much he cares about helping us. He gave us a permanent helper that would never leave us, never forsake us. Even when your mother and your father forsake you and you are alone, I gave you a helper that will never leave you. That's how much he cares about helping us. All his word does is help us. His spirit, it helps us. His presence, it helps us. Everything he does, it helps us. Everything, guys. Everything he does, it helps us. The greatest king, if our worship team can come up, we're gonna pray. The greatest king became the greatest helper. The greatest king became the greatest helper. Look at all that Jesus offers us. Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Why spend your money on food that doesn't give you strength? Why pay for food that does, not, that does you no good? Listen to me. Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. See how I used him to display my power among the people. I made him a leader among the nations. You also will command nations you do not know. And people unknown to you will come running to obey. Because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked change their way and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and snow come down from heaven and stay on the ground to water the earth. 
They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and, and hills will burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there was thorns, cypress trees will grow. There, where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power and his love. I believe God more and more will make his church glorious. It will be, it will be, the Bible says, without spot and without blemish. Do you know how? One of the ways is by helping one another. People in this world, they will see a church that cares less for itself and more for its neighbor. They will see a church that is not as concerned with their own well-being as they are with the individual that is next to it. The church is supposed to reflect the helper, the one who came to help all. God, God, is, God is doing a miracle in our church and I believe the things I'm even talking about is something our church is doing, but something that God is taking us into a greater level of is to be, to be truly a church that where every single person knows that they have a gift, knows that they have a place, and that begins to help someone. I can't help everybody, but I can help someone. And you can't help everybody, but you can begin to help someone. And by helping one another, by helping one another, we fulfill the needs that each other, that we, that one another have. By fulfilling those needs, God begins to get all the glory. God begins to get all the glory. Would you stand with me this morning? Lord, we just thank you so much for everything you've done for us. We thank you so much for the love that you have towards us. And I thank you so much, God, that this love, this love was expressed to us by you dying on a cross. You gave up your life for every single person, those that knew you and those that do not know you, those that loved you and those that despised you, those that mocked you Every single person you gave your life up for. And this was, this is the love of God that has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, God, so much. I thank you for every person here and those watching online. And we, we desire as a church that we would step into the position of being, of being willing to help someone. Maybe we don't know what our calling is. Maybe we don't know what our gift is. Maybe we haven't discovered our place. But I, but I thank you, God, that willingness to help someone, that decision that we make to help someone, it can bring us right into the place where you have called us to be. And we pray for our church right now that every person that has been a, 
has become a part of this local church, this body. We pray for each person to truly discover their place, to discover the gift that you have for them. God, every, the Holy Spirit is the one who decides who gets what gift, and he gives that gift in the measure that he sees fit. And I thank you, God. I thank you that the Holy Spirit has given the gift, as your word says, to every individual. And now, so we pray. We pray now that, that, that every person, every person would discover what that gift is that the Holy Spirit has given them. What that gift is that the Holy Spirit has given them. I thank you, God, so much. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us, God, help one another. Help us help the, the person that's next to us. We desire as a church, God, we desire as a church to truly help our neighbor, to help our neighbor, whether we run into people at work or, or somewhere in our life or within our whole, own household or where we do life outside of these walls, that we would see our neighbor and be willing to help them. Father, we pray. There was a path that that priest took and it led him to someone that needed help, but he chose to pass by. The common pathways in our life where we have neglected someone or passed by someone, as we pass by again, help us see. Open our eyes to see. And as that Samaritan had compassion, help us have compassion for the people that we are walking by. We don't want to cross the road. We don't want to cross the road to the things that we are busy with, but ignore the person that is laying there. We want to see the need. And when we see the need, we want to be moved with compassion. Moved with compassion to help that person. This is what we pray, God. We pray that you would help us. Help us help one another. We believe, we believe a day will come when we will see a church, the world will see a church that moves as one body, that is truly the light to the city, that is filled with compassion for those that are broken that has a burden for those that are lost, a church that goes to the prisons, a church that goes to the streets, a church that goes to the places of the, of the city where there are people that are hurting and broken and tired and are weak and are naked and are hungry, and the church will be the answer to the people in this city who need a helping hand, who need clothing, who need money, who need help, who need encouragement, who need advice, who don't know what to do, the church will be the answer. It will not be our government system. It will not be, it will not be the houses of the rich. It will be the church that will be the answer to those that are in need. And we pray, Father, that you would make us, make us that kind of church, a light that is shining, salt that is working. Make us that kind of church that helps those that are around us. Make us that kind of church that cares for those that are in need. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. And we bless our church, we bless every household, every business owner, every mom, every youth, every child, every elder. We bless our church that as one body, we would function. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name.